Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circuits program. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about everything racing. Joining me in the studio, Louise Torres and Richard Uden, as always. Fellas, how we doing? Good, thank you. Been pretty good. All right, so I do want to mention off the top of the show, our show is sponsored by Dan Blay Racing Art. And also by The Legend of the First Super Speedway, a fine book by Mark Dill. You can find uh, Dan Blay, B-L-E-Y, on uh, Facebook. Uh, look him up. Uh, he makes custom diecasts. And uh, firstsuperspeedway.com uh, is where you find the link to purchase the book, Legend of the First Super Speedway. Also, also a treasure trove of early racing information in their 1920 and prior. I want to thank both those guys for hopping on board and supporting us. But uh, gosh, we've got a lot to unpack this week here. We had all three major series in action. We had the Indy cars at Texas and Louise, you were there on the ground in Texas. So let's start by talking about this XPAL 375 uh, at Texas, which uh, as we previewed it last week, we kind of were, uh, you know, wondering what the racing would look like. And it turned out to be a whole lot better than we thought. Unfortunately, the crowd, very light, um, you know, putting the uh, the future of that race in jeopardy once again. But uh, Louise, you were there on the ground. So what are your impressions of uh, this Texas race where we saw a last minute, last lap pass for the win uh, to just kind of cap off a pretty darn good race? It is interesting you mentioned that. First of all, it's, that's the thing. It, the the promotional element was just bad, and I think between myself and Joy Bars, we're talking about it. It kind of gave gave us some Fontana twenty fifteen vibes, where before that was dropped, the attendance and promotion was not the greatest at all. Yet the racing was uh, superb, and the race itself got better as it went on to where the outside line was actually usable. To the point that Joseph Newgarden used the high group to get by Scott McLaughlin. Well, I thought coming to the white, he had that thing in the bag. He had that thing won. Then Newgarden decided to chance it and go for it. And it's very, and he went by and got the win, which was Team Penske's 600. But it was made clear had it not for one, there was a special 30 minute practice session before the final one where seven of the 27 drivers tested, including Will Power, Takuma Sato, and Ed Carpenter, just to name a few. If they didn't have that test, that little special session, that outside group would have probably not been utilized. And then we would have seen McLaughlin start the year 2-0. and oh. Yeah, so, so and, and again, so this extra session, I believe, it was Will Power who kind of uh, was the brainchild of the idea. And it mm-hmm. featured just the, you know, just those seven cars, just strictly laying rubber down on that high groove. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, yeah. they weren't out there trying to set a lap time or doing anything. They were doing nothing but putting rubber in that high groove. And it, it to your point, it paid off. You know, by, by about the time we got to the halfway point of the race, we had a really good two groove racetrack, which we haven't had at Texas in a couple of years. Yeah, and it did help running it in the day, and also this pack, this aero package that they got, has suited them well 
to the point where, yeah, you saw that move, but the problem, and that, that adds to another concern. Would you want it to be now in March? Because I think it, the conditions were perfect. The timing of the day of the race, yeah, maybe super early to some people compared to what we're, they're used to, like they run, but it's not that far behind the other races where they normally start around noon or a little bit past noon. So, but these conditions were ideal. The package was good. And as much as willpower got what he wanted, he still felt like had there been and rather than seven, it should have been more than seven, if not all 27 running it. So it'd been a 90 minute session total rather than the seven doing the, the 30 and then the additional 60 after. Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps the other drivers have now seen the value in that. And should we return to Texas next year, uh, you know, maybe that'll maybe that'll become a thing. But yeah, at the end of the day, like you said, the March date because this race is traditionally held in June. Yeah, which, you know, and June in Texas is hot. You know, there's oh, no, yeah. there's no other way to put it than say <laughs> June in Texas me. is hot. So uh, even, on that, you know, cooler <laughs> temperatures, nicer breeze. Um, you know, you know, we, we know Indy cars operate on ovals best where, where the temperature is just kind of moderate. You know, if, if it's too cold, they can't get heat in the tires. If, if it's, if it's too hot, it's just miserable. Uh, so yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, maybe this March date has, uh, has some legs to it, but, uh, again, you know, you know, without Eddie Gossage there, who was a big proponent of keeping Indy car, um, at the track, um, certainly because, uh, you know, IndyCar was one of his, well, IRL at the time was one of his first, uh, partners there when they first opened the track, you know, along with NASCAR and they've kind of had a good relationship, but, but with Eddie out of the picture, uh, you know, are the, are the current management of Texas going to see the value in having, there was what, maybe 12,000 people there. It was very, it was definitely very few. And I think it yeah. really boils down to, again, to promotion, which was egregious. If we want to talk about promotion, look at what Iowa is doing with the Hy-Vee, with the Hy-Vee doubleheader. And when I was there at Texas, I couldn't tell what event was there. It really, there was, I don't think there was anything. And that's, I know, and that's the modern day racing promotion. You got to have something to keep the crowd going. Yeah, I know the race started before noon local. But you gotta gotta get people in there. Otherwise, you're just gonna get the peers that wants to see the session. But if you want to get a strong crowd and get a return on investment, like what Iowa is doing, you gotta go in that direction. Much to the chagrin of some people who just wanted to see the race. But then again, if you look at Indianapolis; they have the stake pit, and that's boding well just for those who want to hear music that is definitely not my cup of tea at all. But yeah, but does. but then again, they, they they sell a ticket to these yeah. couple of thousand people who aren't even watching the race, but it's no, it's a, their own little event within an event. But yeah, yeah, every every ticket they sell to them is you know money going to the coffers of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, so it's a real smart thing, uh, you know. But uh, I mean, so what did, what did Texas have in the way of? Uh, ancillary events going on right do they have any concerts did they have any None. support races you know no and that's and, the and thing this is, in 2019 is... they did with the truck series but the difference is in 2019 to the early 2000s they, you didn't have that bundle package where to get an indie to get an indie car ticket irl ticket and it comes with the nascar ticket when you have those supporting series mostly the truck series and you've got all those large crowds watching because it came part of a bundle deal but, oh, sure, and this, you know, the same thing happened to Kansas back, back in the early days of the IRL. The the IRL certainly benefited from the fact that these newer tracks were being built and wanted to sell out the races, and they knew that the the in demand ticket was the Cup race, and they said, okay, you can have a Cup race ticket, but you're going to have to also purchase. Uh, the season ticket, which will get you the ticket for the IRL. And most folks, since they bought it anyway, went to the races. And, you know, we saw great crowds for the early IRL at places like Kansas and Texas uh, and this and that. But there's not, you know, there's <laughs> that that is not happening today, uh, nor should it. I mean, we shouldn't have people go to an IndyCar race because they were forced to buy a ticket. I would rather see somebody go to an IndyCar race because they somehow yeah. 
caught news about it and were enamored by the series and wanted to go to the race. Uh, but, sure. but if you're not putting the word out there and, and to your point about Iowa, um, high V is probably one of the greatest sponsored partners to come in to the series. Yeah. And, a and, long, and as far as promoting the series, cause it was the Texas, the expel, right? I mean, yeah. where was the expel, right? And, and what do they even make? They make car care products, right? Yeah. And they're also yeah. the title sponsor of the truck race at Coda this weekend. And I'm not sure what they have promoting a Coda, but I know for a fact, the only thing of note that they had promotional wise is with Pato and, and Arlington nearby at AT&T stadium, but that's about it. There was nothing else out there. And like Joey said, is in his order, in his column, the only thing he's heard radio and TV promotions. I've heard TV promotions from afar through NBC, whether it might have been on the family networks or where and vice versa, but promotion billboard when i was there all i saw was wrestlemania 38 and the and the wnba team which is good for the wnba they got promotion but i didn't see one indy car billboard when i was there not one yeah and then when they wonder why the stands are empty so but let's talk about some of the other guys in the field now we had talked about jimmy johnson and i was pretty adamant of the fact that i felt like he would not embarrass himself on the oval and as a matter of fact um he did not he, uh, he rallied to a sixth place finish. And it's so funny how people like to throw shade at Jimmy Johnson, uh, you know, because somebody had posted something on social media. Hey, great job, Jimmy Johnson, you know, rallied to six. And then some some other dude posts in there and he's like, um, well, where would have Jimmy finished if there weren't nine guys at DNF? I'm like, OK. The only one he would have probably have difficult beat is probably Elio and Graham. And still with that. Still yeah. top 10, but, but here, here's the thing, right? What's objective number one on race weekend, finish the race, right? Jimmy finished the race. Those nine guys didn't, you know yeah. what I mean? It's just like, why, why is it so hard just to say, man, Jimmy did a great job without trying to find a way to minimize his accomplishment. It just, it cracks yeah. me up. Yeah. He kept the store out of trouble. He got better as the race go on. Had it not been for a telemetry issue, Johnson would have finished in the top five. He, I'll, he, he, hang, he hung toe-to-toe with Paginot. He hung toe-to-toe with Pato, and then teammate Scott Dixon. The only thing, is, if it wasn't for, like, the fuel concern, Johnson would have probably finished in top five over Dixon, no less, who's won this race five times. But he, but no question, he's like, <clears throat> he had, he got better over time. And, yeah, even if you included Elio, Takuma Sato, and Graham Reha all taken out by one way or the other, depending on how you view it, by Devin, Devlin DeFrancesco, who had a, an appalling race in the terms of how much harm he caused in the competition, where you had guys who had great runs like Sato and Kyle Kirkwood, who really was sporty up until then. But it just boils down to like experience versus inexperience. But you saw rookies with inexperience hung their own, but with DeFrancesco, it's just learning the kinks of it. But he didn't necessarily got the greatest impression by the drivers that were out of the race as a result. No, uh, DeFrancesco did not make any friends this weekend. And certainly the Andretti team had a had a, an appalling weekend. Oh, no, had, they rely on Rossi, Rossi, Rossi was out very early on with uh, Mechanical. Uh, Grosjean was out with Mechanical. Uh, DeFrancesco was taking everybody out left and right. And I, I want to say... Herta was MIA. Herta, yeah. And that's the thing about we talked about last year about Herta. He's there when he's there. When he's not, he is not. He is not, yeah. But I'll tell you who was there two races in a row, Scott McLaughlin. So here's a guy who dominated on a street course, and now we get to a total, totally different discipline of racing, which is the oval. And and he did well at the oval at Texas last year, and he nearly wins the thing. So so here's a guy that uh, Penske has kind of hung their future on a little bit. And uh, he is really delivering the goods. I mean, this kid is something else. He's got a knack for a soup for these ovals as well. The fact that he was in control from it got by real quick through Felix, got by Felix Rosequist real quick and pretty much held his own really well to the point to where we must start considering me a title contender and, and, and perhaps an early favorite to win the 500. Oh, well, winning the 500 is a bold pick, but title 
contender for sure. I mean, he's yeah. already got him a good lead in the thing. So oh, yeah. now, now I need to say one of my favorite phrases uh, that I like to say in the show. And that is Richard, you've been quiet over there. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, did you get a chance to watch the Indy cars of Texas and what were, what were your impressions? Yeah, I caught, uh, I caught a big drink. I missed the first, um, first, uh, first, probably third of the race, but I did see the, the conclusion of the race. I thought it was a, you know, it was a really good race. I thought, um, you know, it's ironic, isn't it? You know, last last year and probably early part of this year, we were, we were criticizing Penske for not being at the races and um, um, literally and figuratively. Um, and then they win the first two on, on the bounce. And I think they had, what, three in the top four at Texas. So it's like, oh, it shows what I know about that then, doesn't it? Um, but I thought, you know, it, it was a really, really good race. It was, in a way, you know, I know they wanted to try and bring that second lane in. But sometimes on these ovals, if you have two lanes all the time, it, it just, it doesn't really make it, I don't want to use the word skill, but it, it it sort of takes an element away from it. Whereas when you have one, one and a half lanes, you know, you, it makes the drivers with the bravery and skill to, to, you know, take that high lane particularly, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, just. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Spring training is right around the corner. So come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. You know, you mentioned him earlier, the, Jimmy Johnson, you know, some of the moves you made around the outside. Oh, yeah, you know, that was, uh, they were pretty ballsy, but, um, you know, great to see. Whereas if you'd had this second lane, you'd be like, okay, somebody's gone around the outside. Great. Woo. You know, yeah. maybe I'm oversimplifying it a little bit there. But, uh, yeah, very impressed with, with Pensy. They've really stepped up. Um, you know, and, you know, as you mentioned there, you know, all of this this talk about Colton Herter being a you know, championship favourite, you know, through the first two races, I know he had a, he had top five at, at uh, St. Pete, but it wasn't amazing. You know, this is what we talked about last year. If he wants to catch the attention of these F1 guys, and I know he's got this McLaren test coming up later in the year, you can't finish top five. You know, top is not, you know, you've got to be, competing week in week out for race wins because that's what's going to get attention especially in you know a series like the IndyCar series where you know the, the talent pool is probably not quite as deep as it is in, in Formula 1 um, and you've got to really really stand out um, so yeah he's got to you know how much is it Andretti I don't know um, but He's got to, you know, you think he's got to win one of the next two races, really, to sort of get his championship season back on track and and dominate those wins and be impressive like he was at the end of last season in, you know, places like Laguna um, and places like that. He's in luck with that because Long Beach is the next round and that's where he last won two, three races yep. ago. True. <laughs> Six True. months ago. But but no, yeah, he but was he, not. You see that? But that's a perfect example there, Luis. If he doesn't win or he's not ultra competitive, then that yeah. obviously starts to raise question marks. And, and this is where we've talked about this so many times on this show. The difference that I've seen between the guys racing in Europe and the guys racing in the US. If a guy in the US has an off weekend or isn't competitive, it's, ah, ah well, whatever, move on to next week. In Europe, it's not. If you have a bad weekend, that's bad. It's not, oh, oh, well, you know, we tried our best, let's move on. You know, it, it, it's, a, 
different mentality and, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of speculating here, but I don't think you can have bad weekends if you want to make it to the top in, in Europe. I really don't. Yeah, that's one of the things he's got to have to step it up. It's one thing for an IndyCar where everybody gets points, whereas Formula One, if you even finish outside the podium, that could cost you dearly when it's top 10 only. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, worse back, back in the day where Formula One top was six, top six yeah. and Card was top 12. Well, look what happened to his team boss when he was in Formula One. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets a podium and then gets fired. Enough. Yeah, a lot could change, and and I think a lot of people need to realize that because other because the last couple of guys that came from IndyCar, whether it's IRL, Carter, vice versa, ex- with the exception of Montoya, they not pan out well. No, and uh, yeah, my yeah, Montoya's but Montoya has been part of the, but Montoya was part of the Williams Young Drive yeah. program, and then was loaned to Ganassi, wasn't he? If I remember rightly. I think it was like what Formula Three Thousand or about, or rather they go to Formula Three Thousand. He went to Card and then owned. I the think season. that was the plan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he dominated that first season, didn't they? I mean, yeah. And the second year is when they went to Toyota and they were unreliable, except for Indianapolis, where I think they were yeah. Oldsmobile because the IRL had different engine suppliers. Oh, well, yeah, 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 sure. But yeah, but, it kind of yeah, shows you the difference. I, I really do hope he does, but the boy's got to step it up. Well, for for sure, because there's even rumblings about where Pato's going to end up after 2022. Well, yeah, Pato's comments on McLaren were interesting, weren't they? You know, because obviously he wasn't sort of, he's part of the, um, you know, McLaren stable, if you like. But then it turned around and there was no, you know, he wasn't selected as part of this young driver lineup and, and guys like Colton had to were. And some of his comments were like, well, I don't know where my future lies. You know, if it's in or outside of McLaren, I'm not really bothered as long as I've got a competitive drive. And it's like, Oh, Oh, that's, that's not, to- that's not towing the company line. Is it? You know, that's uh, Ooh. Yeah. I don't know if, if that was going to be massively popular, those sort of comments. Yeah. It's, it's going to be it, silly season is already rumbling for sure. But, yeah, he's got to have to step it up. And kind of my final comment is that Marcus Erickson got his first oval podium. We don't celebrate podiums on ovals, but it's his first on an oval. He had a quiet day. And that's the thing normally what Erickson typically does. It's like when you least expect it, it's like, oh, oh, Erickson got third out of it. Ganassi had a strong show. Honestly, Ganassi had a quiet but noble showing with all of their cars. To be honest, and then finally, the last noteworthy thing is Santino Ferrucci in the third yeah. Ray Hall car. <laughs> like literally, what was it? Less than three hours before the race, he got the nod to take over Jack Harvey, who had a heavy, heavy shot in final practice on the back stretch. The three yeah. car protocol, like the G forces, he had that he wasn't medically cleared, and Ferrucci, who was there the day before at Texas, just as just a roaming around the paddock talking with AJ Foyt. <laughs> Such a Boris said of IndyCar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he jumps right in. He jumps right yeah. in. If we're talking about his hair, I don't think I could compete with him, even if I trim the sides and try to keep the whole front end. It's gotten, but that's a different story. But all things considered, for only being in the car 15 minutes just to do installation laps and all that, to get in the ninth is quite admirable. Yeah, there was. There was attrition, but he held his own stay out of trouble and brought it home. Brought the car that is their 500 car in one piece. Yeah. Well, for yeah. Harvey, because of course, Richie's going to be driving the second driver Reinbold car. Oh, I thought he did impress. You know, he did very, very well. Uh, you know, good job he didn't have a big night on Saturday, wasn't it? <laughs> Otherwise, he may not have been in a state to drive. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, very impressive. You know, he, obviously a very polarizing figure, I think, with some of his, you know, his, 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 his history. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt the kid's quick. Um, you just wonder if he's got enough about him to land a full-time drive at the moment, which is, yeah. you know, it's a shame. But you've got you've got to talk the talk as well as walk the walk, don't you? Yeah, and I think a strong month of May is going to really help him. The only thing I know is that after Indy, he's going to run some NASCAR races. 
That's what he did yeah. last year, but none before the month of May. So if he's laser focused on Indy with Ryan Reinpool, there'll be an interesting combination because we saw Karen can quietly put up good runnings at Indy. I mean, last year, you put that, he put the 24 in the top 10, had a solid month of May, quietly but solid month of May, which, yeah, the big motive is to win, but it's also good to see momentum building from that organization. Yeah. I think expanding the Go on. No, sorry. Um, I was just asking about May with, with um, is he running the uh, Grand Prix as well as the 500 or just the 500? I think it's only the 500, to my knowledge. I haven't heard much as far as expanding to it. Okay, fair enough. fair enough. Yeah, because right now, what are we looking at? I think it's the last time I've heard is 32 confirmed entries. And I think with what we saw in the Indy Carpatic, I think we might see us, we could see 30 if, if they want to run it, but I don't think they are. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, because I think he's, you know, it, yeah, he, he's certainly quick enough. As I say, it's just some of that baggage that, go, you know, surrounds him, I think, has left a bit of a, yeah, it's a still, lasting legacy, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, some of the team owners won't, won't, won't touch him with a, with a stick, uh, yeah. which is a shame. But at the end of the day, you know, you... Because the you only know, main a, criticism he's got is just Josh Berry giving him the bird of Phoenix for the incident. That's about it, to my well, recent memory. Well, there was the whole thing in Formula Two and no, I know. racing in Europe, which you know. That's what I said. Since um, that, since that whole yeah, fiasco, for sure, for sure. But again, you know, there's there's what it's it's like these, you know. In a way, I think you know, racing is is very similar to a lot of these high contact sports. And I'm going to use you know, growing up, I used to play it as a kid rugby. You know, if any of you have ever watched rugby games you know how hard, you know, these guys hit each other. But between oppositions, there's a huge amount of respect because they know they can do each other serious injuries. And the same revolves around motorsport. You know, the way they drive is always very, very respectful to each other. It can be hard and it can be sometimes just push the limit. But on the whole, because they know what potential injuries they can cause to each other, they are typically very, very respectful to each other. And I think Ferrucci sort of crossed that line a little bit. I think it was at Silverstone, wasn't it? And... Um, yeah, it uh, it's unfortunate that he, he sort of put himself in that situation, but people have yeah, but uh, the, very long memories. The interesting thing about that is if you know if you go back and watch that, yeah, and then people tell you that oh he just oh he just took his teammate out or hit his teammate, he gave him a little bump. But but I think it was the the aftermath there where yeah. where they accused both him and his father of using racial slurs uh, against the teammate who was of, of uh, Indian descent. Um, and, but of course there was, you know, that was never proven or never, uh, you know, did it happen? I don't know. Um, you know, some folks say it did, but uh, yeah, that, that ran him out of Europe. But I think for sure, uh, you, you know, here, here in the States, he's, he's developed number one, a pretty decent fan base in IndyCar. Uh, people tend to like the guy for, um, his, uh, you know, bravado on the ovals, he's certainly, uh, uh, you know, if you recall the Indy 500 a couple of years ago when he took to the grass to avoid a wreck, you know, and came back and the finished second in the top on 10. The yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, but I mean, I, you know, I get the feeling that he was probably in line for that high V ride. But I have a feeling that maybe high V as a corporation found um, Jack Harvey more palatable. Uh, even though High V had the funny thing is High V had stated that they really wanted an American driver, and of course Santino, you know, from Connecticut, he's an American driver, uh, and Jack Harvey <laughs> is not. Yeah. <laughs> Although you know, with a name like Jack Harvey, they could probably pass him off as an American. You know, Santino Ferrucci yeah. probably yeah, pass I him agree. off as a as a European. But, uh, <laughs> but 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 either way, you know, the kid came into Texas short notice. Um, Earned whatever they decided to pay him for the day, and uh, you know, good finish for him. So, and it just keeps him keeps him on the mind of uh, you know guys guys in IndyCar that may need a quick fill in or or maybe need a driver for next year. Yeah, for I wonder sure. if he's going to end up suffering from like the Hulkenberg syndrome, though. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, he's a great driver, he's a great driver." I'm not going to give him a full time drive though, but he's a great driver. And, you know, oh, yeah, he stepped in and he did really well in a race when somebody was injured or unwell or whatever. We're not going to give him a full-time drive. 
Yeah, yeah the uh, uh, the Roberto 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 Moreno. I mean, oh, Roberto, <laughs> Roberto, Roberto, Roberto Moreno. Yeah, you're Roberto. you're mixing Roberto said, Moreno, super yeah, sub. Yeah, I love yeah. that guy. But yeah, you you just mentioned the character from the movie Driven. Yeah, Memo Moreno. That's and hilarious. Then said, so. And then I said Roberto Guerrero after him. That's like make matters worse. Yeah, Roberto <laughs> Guerrero, another another fine driver. Another fine driver, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, Roberto Moreno. Like hey, you're, you're taking all the all the drivers of Latin American descent and lumping them into one category, Louise. I I am disappointed in you. I could have. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been worse. I could have said Memo Gidley. So. Ah, yeah, Memo Gidley. That's. <laughs> I think Memo Gidley is where the name Memo Moreno comes from. Uh, you know because. Uh, I think Stallone just, you know, kind of mashed up those uh, names the there funny, because he'd been spending time on the Gidley, cart series. The funny thing, Gidley, was, was it Gidley's rookie year in 2000, though, when the film was in production? Like when they started filming all that stuff? Because they said, no, it was 2000. Because he, had, he had been around, though. I, you know, he was running running lights and he was filling in here and there. So he was... He was in the Della Pena car, the DirecTV 10 car. Yeah, he, he was there because I, he, I know Memo was driving because I remember when I first saw the, the Driven movie that I'm like, okay, yeah, they just grab uh, Memo Gidley's name because they like that and combine it with Roberto Moreno. So, But anyway, but we digress. We have we have two more races to talk about. So IndyCar, we've got uh, this coming weekend off, and then we're headed to Long Beach, um, which is kind of interesting. We're going to have a two Long Beach Grand Prix within – you know, a short time on one another. Yes. You know, with, uh, with, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be good to see the cars back at Long Beach, one of the big prestige races. Again, like you said, the, uh, defending champion is Colton Herta, who will, who really needs to get his season on track. Cause if, you know, if we get three races in and his results are still like that, championship's done, you know, and for him and, and well, his teammate Rossi as well. You know, both yeah. those guys, it's almost, it's almost, I know it's early in the season, but it's a short season IndyCar and you can't afford to get that far behind that quick. Not with, no. uh, not with guys like Scotty Mack, uh, you know, taking a first and a second, the first two races, but let's turn our attention to formula one where the, we did not see the usual cast of characters on the podium. Ferrari one, two, when's the last time Ferrari had a one, two? 2019. 2019. So it's been a minute. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a minute. We saw no Mercedes on the podium. We did. We saw Hamilton. Oh, that's right. Hamilton was third. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yep. We saw no Red Bulls on the podium. No. Yep. The Red Bulls. Red Bulls. Both. Red Bull both failed to finish. And. Yep. Uh, yep. And we saw a Haas car in the top ten. Top five. Yeah. The yeah, top, top five. We saw yeah. Oscar in the top five. Yeah. So which. Uh, so, it, yeah. so that goes to show that the uh, the strategy of throwing away 2021 and getting ready for 2022 yep. has worked out for Haas because we had questioned their motives. <laughs> in, in the in, Ferrari in, design yeah. a car for you. And matter. certainly, yes, because Ferrari, what's good for Ferrari is also good <laughs> for Haas. Uh, so uh, on the whole. Yeah. Yeah. On the whole. So. Um, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, Richard, let's uh, let's break down this um, season opening Grand Prix. Uh, you know, great for Ferrari to start out so strong out of the box because every the last couple of years, they've kind of threatened to be pretty good and and they've kind of eh. when's, yeah, when, exactly. when's Ferrari's last championship? Was it Kimmy? Uh, Kimmy, yeah, 07. 07, um, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's been yeah. a while since they've really you know, we've got, had a couple of good years, yeah. good years with Vettel there, uh, but he never yeah. quite sealed the deal on the championship. You know, he was battling with Hamilton. But yeah, here we are. Yeah, I mean, the last time I had the competitive car was probably 19, and then they had the engine. Um, 
whatever you want to call that, where um, they were penalised by Ferrari, but apparently didn't break any rules, but then they did, and then they didn't, and then nobody knew what they did. So that's another story. Um, so yeah, it's been a few years since since Ferrari being competitive, uh, but it was it was great to see you know them back up there and really give an opportunity to a driver like Charles Leclerc to to show what he's capable of. I mean, we know what he's capable of. I mean, the, the guys are up there in the, the upper echelons of driver talent in Formula 1 that we see at the moment. Um, and, you know, Mercedes that were, are in trouble. You know, if you call being the third fastest car out of 10 trouble, uh, which I, I guess you do these days, for them anyway, and their level of expectation. Well, if, if the um, red if the Red Bulls would have finished, the, yeah, that, oh, yeah. I mean, if the yeah, they, they, they were well ahead of Mercedes in practice of qualifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, it's Ferrari and Red Bull at the moment are the the two top teams. Um, and then you'd put Mercedes in the third, you know, category. So in reality, if everybody finishes in their respective positions it would be fifth and sixth place for Mercedes um but they ended up finishing third and fourth with Hamilton third Russell in fourth and Russell having a pretty good race you know after a disappointing qualifying you know Mr Saturdays has been called for the last few years through his excellent qualifying performances in Williams um didn't really deliver this last weekend uh, he, he made a mistake on his final qualifying run which is very unusual I think a bit of that was due to the issues with the Mercedes car and the way it's driving but, um, yeah, it was uh, damage limitation from Mercedes. In reality, without anything crazy going on, it was the best they could have hoped for. Um, very, very disappointing from a Red Bull perspective. Um, probably not the quickest car out there, but certainly a car capable of challenging the Ferraris. But they had, um, it appears they had fuel issues um, in, in terms of lack of uh, issue. Uh, and it's my, my understanding that both cars run out of fuel, which is uh, very embarrassing. Uh, you know, those sort of things shouldn't happen uh, in, in Formula One these days, especially with the team of Red Bull stature and also with the high level of um, uh, scrutiny over fuel flow. And if you remember back probably seven or eight years ago now, when this fuel flow sense was brought in, Red Bull were the ones caught out by that. So. Yeah, there's a lot of um, you know work in the background that, that needs to be done by by Mercedes in terms of performance, Red Bull in terms of operation, um, and Ferrari pretty much nailed it. You know they got it spot on and uh, pole, fastest lap race win. You know pretty pretty comfortable weekend for uh, for for Charles Leclerc there. Um, some disappointing cars you know further back in the pack. Uh, McLaren were were out to sea you know pretty badly. Um, Partly, you know, Danny Ricciardo obviously missing the final test uh, was didn't help them, but bigger issues of brake issues, uh, brake temperature uh, issues for that car. Um, so they probably were, were were running the car, for want of a better word, detuned. Um, the Aston Martins were very very poor as well. Um, it didn't help, obviously. You know, Seb uh, Seb Bethel missed the race with with after testing positive COVID. And super sub Nico Hulkenberg stepped in and did a very, very competent job in a massively different car from anything he's driven before in terms of single-seater racing. So you've got to give him, you know, kudos for, for doing what he was able to do in that car, you know, especially putting up a comparable performance to um, Lance Stroll, who's obviously done a lot of pre-season testing and a lot of simulate, simulator work, which is, you know, Nico has obviously not been able to do any of that. Um Williams were pretty solid, um, but then you know the, the two teams that probably have taken the biggest gains, performance gains from uh, twenty twenty uh, and twenty twenty one have been the Haas cars, which we mentioned, and also the Alfa Romeos. Um, you know, Haas had a very very strong weekend with with Kevin Magnussen back in the car, uh, qualified in seventh, I think it was, ended up finishing the race with two Red Bull retirements in fifth. So you've got a really huge amount of credit to those guys. You know, p- phenomenal performance considering where they've been in the last two years. And, there's, uh, and, and then, and then again, Al- Alfa Romeo also linked to the Ferrari team as well. So yeah. uh, again, yes. you know, when when, yeah. when when Ferrari does well, that goes down downhill to their yeah. you know yeah. a- associate teams. So uh, without be- any doubt, no, they've they've certainly made a huge improvement on the engine side. 
the the 25 or so horsepower that they were supposedly down from Honda and Mercedes in 2020 and 2021 seems to have been reduced. Uh, I know Ferrari have done a lot of work with Shell on their fuel, which potentially has, has seen a big chunk of those improvements. But uh, but you know you mentioned there Alfa Romeo as well, and um, you know. Valtteri Bottas stepping up into that um, sort of team leader role that he's never really had in the past. Um, outqualified George Russell, ironically, and was racing against Hamilton pretty, you know, for, for sections of that race there. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure which order you pronounce his name, but I think it was Zhe Guanyu. I think Guan that's how Yu, they pronounce it on the. Uh, no, that's how it's written, but I think in Chinese you pronounce it the other way around, I think, from what I saw of the coverage. It, the second driver at Alfa Romeo um, scored points in his debut. A fantastic drive, mature drive. Um, didn't do anything crazy. Um, you know, kept the car on the on the black stuff and, and did what he needed to do. Um, you know, and, and I think uh, even um, um, da, 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 I can't think of the guy's name now. Uh, uh, Alpha Tauri, Gasly, and Sonoda. Um, Yuki Sonoda. Sonoda. Snowder scored some points, I believe. And again, another another solid race. Mick Schumacher got close. I think he finished P11. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But this is this is a big year for Mick. You know, he's, what, 23 now. So he's only a year younger than, um, you know, Max Verstappen. And you look at what Verstappen's achieved, you look at what Mick's achieved, mm, a little bit different there. Um, but if, if Mick is this heir apparent to a Ferrari seat, which is what Ferrari have always said, then he's got to be beating um, Magnussen. And the fact Magnussen came in with zero or very, very limited testing and, and, and beat Mick pretty resoundingly in the first race doesn't, yeah, it makes you wonder that. And the fact by some of the things that Carlos Sainz is signing an extended contract with Ferrari yeah, makes and- you wonder where Mick's long-term future lies. I... I do worry a little bit, and maybe it hurt him having a poor benchmark in his first season in terms of Mazepin. You know, you like to see uh, a, you know, a, um, a young driver come in against an experienced driver who can learn and develop and have a benchmark. You know, Haas didn't have that last year with either of their drivers, so they could have been as bad as each other. Whereas now Mick's got a... This is almost like, to me... In some ways, this is Mick's rookie season because he's got a known benchmark and he's got something to prove himself against. Yeah, so absolutely. He, 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 if, you, if you look at the whole thing, I mean, you know, Haas was, they set themselves up for disaster, number one, with the fact yeah. that they, they were going to develop the car, they were going to push towards 2021, and then they hired two rookie drivers. So you've got nobody. <laughs> yeah, you've got two rookies on a team and a, and a, and a car that's that you're not going to develop. Uh, you know, it's... It's really it's stifling for Mick's career to to have to had to suffer through that season. So hopefully, with the the fact that they've got a pretty decent car now, and he's got a, a teammate who can um, probably really help the guy. Um, you know, if he you know if he chooses to uh, kind of take that mentor role and and help his teammate out, which doesn't always happen in Formula One. Uh, <laughs> very, very rarely, you, you don't get your Bottas, no, your Raikkonen and Giovinazzi. You more or less get your Senna's and Prost and F1. Sure, sure, but yeah, but but Senna and Prost are not Mazepin and and, no. and Schumacher, <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, but I think it's really for for Mick, as far as he's concerned, that that season is stifling for him, and that's that's probably in yeah. in one year put him two years behind where he needs to be, but, uh, exactly. I, but potentially the future looks brighter for him. And, and, uh, you know, this first race of, of 2022, we're only one race into the books. Um, you know, he did manage to nearly score points. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, let's not shut the book on Mick yet, but, uh, it's not looking like he's the next rising star. That's for sure. Yeah, not right now, yeah. especially from a guy that kind of showed up on what two weeks' notice almost. Exactly. That's the thing. He's he's just there because remember, it was about a month ago, a month or two ago, he was mocking the Haas team on socials, and now he jumps in there two weeks' notice and boom, <laughs> puts it in the top five. Yeah, well, but uh, although considering the fact that uh, 
you know, uh, Magnuson jumping into the Haas car is a little bit of a different situation than, say, uh, Hulkenberg hopping into the uh, yeah. Aston Martin because, you know, um, you know, because Magnuson was employed by Haas. So he knows the, you know, he knows the mechanics. He knows the engineer. He knows how that team operates from the inside. So it's it's not as if he's coming in entirely cold. Yes, he's entirely cold when it comes to the new car. But as far as how the team operates and and what the expectations are, um, it, it's just like it's like coming back to work after an extended vacation. Most certainly. And you know, the same and, and that's the difference with Hulkenberg. Hulkenberg in the past three or four years, he's just been super <clears> subbing <throat> people who test positive, like with Paris in 2020 and now with Vettel this past weekend. Yeah. So, you know, for some people, COVID has been good to them. Uh, you know, certainly <laughs> Hulkenberg, um, DoorDash drivers, uh, those sort of things. But <laughs> so anyway, has Vettel um, been cleared to run in, at the second round. I have not heard uh, one, one way or the no, other. No, yeah, they, I did see something. I think it was yesterday that said that the team are still un, unsure of uh, of Vettel's participation. So it may be that yeah, Nico gets another, uh, you know, another outing. Um, so are are, are, the, are we uh, are we racing this weekend or do we have a yeah, week off? Yes, this weekend in Jeddah. Yeah, so we actually beat Long Beach's two races out of four. Yeah, because uh, they ran in December. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and the gap between the last time they ran to now is two races, with the two being Abu Dhabi and, of course, last weekend in Bahrain. Yep. All right. So let's uh, let's let's anyway, let's, let's, let's make sure we leave a little time to talk about uh, the Cup guys in uh, Atlanta. So, but let's go ahead and pick us a winner for Jetta, and uh, I'll start with you, uh, Richard. I'll go same pick as I went for last week's science. Okay, and uh, Louise took mine again. Let's go with Leclerc. Okay, so both you guys are predicting back-to-back victories. Ferrari, nothing wrong with that. Uh, except you didn't leave me a Ferrari driver to pick, so I'll I'll say that Red Bull gets their stuff together and Verstappen picks up this one. So and and funny, nobody picked Hamilton. Uh, but uh, I think I, <laughs> I, yeah, you can count Mercedes out for a little, but but not for long, not for long. I would imagine that, uh, and we didn't get to talk about the uh, the porpoising thing. Um, then it'll maybe, be interesting maybe... to see how how that works on a on a really bumpy street circuit. You know, Bahrain's not the smoothest circuit in the world, but you put yourself out in. Uh, you know, a street circuit with drains and manhole covers and all that sort of jazz that uh, you're going to be competing against uh, out there. And it's going to be, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. So, uh, yeah, wait and see. Wait and see. All right. So, Cup guys were in Atlanta. Uh, reconfigured track, changed the banking, repaved the thing, uh, running it with the tapered spacer, which some folks still like to call it a plate race. Um but I thought it was a pretty entertaining show. At the end of the day, it was uh, uh, like we kind of all said it would be a Hendrick driver. I think I went with uh, Bowman, but it was uh, Byron. So now all of the um, Hendrick's guys have won, save for Chase Elliott. But I know there's some who there's so some, high, so somehow is, has the most points of everyone right now. No, I mean, you know what I mean? He's He's been finishing consistently. He just hasn't hit the checker, and there's some yeah. road courses coming up. So, uh, yeah. but the, the Hendrick's. Hendrick's team definitely um, sitting in the catbird seat uh, as far as the Cup Series is concerned. So, uh, uh, Louise, what was your what was your take on the um, the racing that uh, the new the newly configured Atlanta produced? Key word that you just mentioned: entertainment, and that's what Marcus Smith and SMI wants with this, with the Atlanta. They want it be sports entertainment and they got their entertainment by being a super speedway race where you can actually shoot on the outside corners unlike they told at Talladega since like what 2000 but Hendrick had a strong showing like and that's the thing when they were at Daytona before the forts took over <laughs> from the duels onwards Hendrick had speed they were sporty and they ran well but even without Kyle Larson, who, again, ever since his win, he's been on a downward spiral. None of his own doing, but his results have not been there at all since he won in Fontana. 
So he's been kind of in a championship slump despite the fact that when the only beneficiary of we can't really say a slump per se is because he's already in the playoffs. But even some people are saying that maybe 16 cars are not, it's not the safest thing to say right now. Because we could see it more than 16 different ones. I don't see it yet once the season rolls on. But for Byron winning, he had the strongest card all pretty much the entire way through. And, and towards the end, nobody could really get it. Yeah, you have Bubba Wallace, who's always in the mix in these super speedway races. You have Trackhouse again. Both cars in the top five. Both cars made it in one piece. So this was their bets all around the weekend. They yeah, won. Chastain was second, was he not? Yeah, somewhere. Yeah, that sounds about right. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's two second place finishes in a row for that young man. Yeah, he's been racking up top fives, <laughs> yeah. except for Fonte, except for Daytona Fontana. But he's been on a hot roll. But for Byron, I said this last year that yeah, Bowman had more four wins, but he was Bowman was the second best overall Hendrick driver in terms of performance and speed. The problem that Byron has had, he only had that one win last year. It's, this is the same time of year that, Bo, that Byron had a win, and he only ended up winning. The question is, can he start racking up wins with Rudy Fugo? Because, like I said, Larson may have dominated, but and Bowman may have more wins, but the outside of Larson, Byron was probably the best overall Hendrick driver in terms of speed and performance. Just the results in wins had not been there yet. And I'm hoping this is the, the turnaround to where he starts racking up wins to showcase that Maybe this driver crucial combination will bode well in Cup like they've done in Xfinity and trucks in the past. And mind you, I still credit Rudy Fugel being the main reason why Biffle won Texas in 2019, the truck series, because that was their strategy. So I like it. Like I said, this is the big year for Byron. I want him to see him do why. I boldly pick he's going to be a championship for contender. If he has races like that every week, and doesn't matter what type of circuit or package they're running, he's going to be a threat. But the question is how he adapts to those road courses. He's qualified good, but the race performances have not been quite there yet. And that's going to be big. The next challenge for firing. But this, the racing itself, they got what they wanted. They had, you had your wreck fest. You've had guys that wrecked multiple times and still were there, like Corey LaJoy, whose car lifted up in the air and still finished fifth. And my biggest, and another thing that was very striking and, I, and very alarming is how hard these impacts were like Justin Haley and Bubba Wallace. When you look at the damage of the cars, you may say, oh, how is that the hardest impact of this, of more harder than Pocono? I feel like if there's no way, like, you, will you write, you want the, the damage to dissipate, like, you, to eliminate. If it's all crushed up and bunched up or hardly at all noticeable, if you have a hard impact, that does raise some red flags in my book. Because sometimes when you it's like when, when a rider goes upside down, you if you if it eliminates kind of like all that brutal force of an impact when they're all. Well, you want slow deceleration, don't you? That's the key. You know, what you can have a relatively small impact, but if everything stops quickly, that's when you get in the trouble. When you see these like, you know, accidents where there's bits flying everywhere and the car's disintegrating around the driver, they're normally the ones the driver walks away because the car's doing exactly what it's meant to be doing. Yeah, um, it's when they, they they stop quickly. That's when you get the problems. Yeah, exactly. And you don't you don't have to look any farther than say like you know Rusty Wallace flipping at uh, Talladega or um, a couple times Rusty Rusty had a and you know over and over and over and over and then then he hops out and walk away. And then by comparison, you know Dale Senior, the crash looked relatively minor, right? But but. You know, the, the man was deceased when they got to him in the car uh, because it was just yeah. the the it's not the speed that kills you. It's the sudden stop. Yeah. And um, and that's yep. and then that's where, you know, the need for items like, uh, you know, the Haas device have uh, have yep. uh, come across and that the Haas device has probably saved more guys in racing uh, that, that you don't even realize. Um, and oh, and yeah. yeah, so I, uh, I, I, you know, I wanted. There's a guy who wrote a book about the Haas device, and I really want to get him on the show, because um, that, that that would just be a great show. So just let me work on that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, but at the end of the day, yeah. So you, you say this is a hard hit, but it didn't look like much. Yeah, that was a hard hit. Yeah, the damage is like that's not giving. It's not. Is the damage is like with Bubba, Justin Haley, Cody Wernor, Rex, and all have brutal impacts. But when you look at the the damage, it makes me wonder 
what would be the limit as far as before you've seen these problems where drivers get hurt? Because when I look back at it, like 2005, when those hard impacts, do you have debris and everything flying all over the place to where you see the radiator? These days, it's all crunched up. And, and, and yeah, and I mean, I wonder. I think you, you look at the dynamics of, a, uh, of accidents and they're very, um, very difficult to predict. The the, the, uh-huh. the multi-dimensional, multifaceted, any big impact is, and the one thing that's interesting, and and I actually, back in my you know earlier years, I spent a lot of time researching this and, and doing some work on this. These drivers, you know, say say you know with with uh, Wallace's accident, prime example here. If you or I had been in that car our potential injuries would have been far, far worse. And the reason for that is, as as silly as it sounds, these drivers become conditioned to these sort of accidents. And they start off when they're karting or dirt racing, whatever it may be, you know, you're you're having 50 mile an hour races or whatever, and you have an accident and you you know, oh yeah, you know, as a little kid, oh yeah, that was hard, oh yeah. You know, and as you grow up, your body becomes accustomed to these impacts and it makes them more survivable um and as, as frank mentioned earlier you know what would be considered the the mo- you know the, the, the limit it, it's, it's very very difficult i think the cars are so well designed that within reasonable expectations of a conventional race most accidents are survivable with the wall technology they have in terms of the safer barrier, the crumple zones of these cars and the catchment. Where, where I worry is the issues of cars getting airborne into the catch fencing, because that is a con- totally uncontrollable dynamic. Uh, you know, you look back at only a couple of years ago, Ryan Newman's accident. Um, that is another area for cars on a side and uh, it gets hit into the cockpit area by another car that again is an area where i think is extremely dangerous but i think in most series formula one indycar nascar all the big series a conventional impact is relatively survivable um, given the technology has gone in, where you have the problems are these dynamics that are unpredictable or so, un- you know, un- you, know you, you look at the, the, the accident that Claire Antoine Hubert's life at, in Spa a few years ago, it was just unsurvivable. You know, you could not build a car tragically to survive that sort of accident and impact. And you just have to have that asterisk against motorsport safety saying, you can only go so far. Um, you know, an unpredictable accident like that, we can't do anything about, unfortunately. We can try and prevent it in terms of stopping cars bouncing back into oncoming traffic. Um, and in NASCAR, they try and stop the cars getting airborne. Um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's, it's a very, very difficult question to answer. What is the ultimate? But I think... Yeah, the other thing is we, we talk about... We talk about what, what's the threshold, right? And the interesting thing is, and this goes back to this past weekend with uh, Jack Harvey, right? IndyCar had released a uh, statement that they have a uh, threshold for G's that the driver should, you know, be able to take. And then if we exceed that threshold, you know, further evaluation is required and and jack harvey did not pass it but but they didn't say what the threshold is right how many how many g's right and and these are but uh, indycar to their credit and this goes back to the cart days they have done more research on concussion and head injuries than than probably any industry in the world and and you know cart makes all their data available to places like you know the nfl and the, the military and uh, these sort of things, you know, when we're talking about uh, things with fighter pilots or, you know, football players with the concussion injuries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, I mean, whatever, they didn't say what the threshold is, but, but I'm sure Jack probably was, was ready and willing and wanting to drive, but um, you know, they take these, these kind of things very seriously. And um, 
know, that's where we're at. But we've only got a couple of minutes left, and we do need to mention the fact that somebody wants to answer a next-gen NASCAR in Le Mans. Yeah. So it's because they inside NASCAR teased us for two days. Oh, big announcement coming up and this and you won't believe this. And that was the announcement. And uh, for sure, they were right. That was a surprise out of nowhere. But uh, but there is precedent for this. Uh, Guys uh, in the in the in the 50s, 60s and 70s took uh, NASCAR cars to Le Mans. But uh, certainly hasn't happened to any time recently but um i mean uh, what, what are you guys thoughts on this it's gonna be real interesting for sure because i look at it from a schedule point of view so and what they, what what class will this be entered in this is a garage no. 56 entry it's kind of yeah. like a, no no wait, which 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 le mans it class it isn't it's one of these so it's like when the uh, X-Wing was in Le Mans. This is, as, as Louis says, Garage 56 or whatever. It's basically 55 entries into Le Mans. Okay, okay. Entry. And that's for prototype cars that cannot pe- can compete for wins um, and, and the like. Um, and the biggest challenge that I'm going to see is driver changes. Um, you know, because the seats in, in... And I'm sure, you know, goodness me, a company like Hendrick will have the resources to, uh, to, to compete with that. But uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. How they do all of that, and when you they, you know they probably won't be able to have side nets. They're going to have doors, uh, all this sort of stuff. So it'll be very much a modified next gen car to to adapt to the um, you know Le Mans regulations. I don't know. What yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Cer- certainly, it won't look like the car we see at Daytona or Talladega. Uh, so no. gonna, yeah, but but it'll be interesting to see. And it's uh I mean, it's an interesting experiment to try to, you know, bring NASCAR over there to Europe a little bit and let them see a little bit of this. But uh, but if it's going to be, you know, the, the guy chugging around at the back of the field who gets uh, um, l- lapped again and again by the LPM ones, you know. So. Yeah, I mean that will happen. Goodness me! But you look at the well, certainly. Yeah. Now, I was looking. The only comparable data I can find is for Coda. Um, and you look at now, of course, it rained last year in the Cup Series. But if you, I think the Xfinity race was dry. And if you look at Kyle Busch, who has the lap record in an Xfinity car, that's about maybe eight to ten seconds off the lap record at Coda for a comparable uh, GT car, whatever they call it now. GT, uh, I can't remember what they call the um, sort of tin top class, if you like, at, um, at, at Le Mans. So... And I'm sure, again, this car will be engineered specifically with the resources of GM and Hendrick for um, Le Mans. So it will be optimized and it wouldn't surprise me if they're, they're not in the same ballpark. I don't think they're going to embarrass themselves. And at the end of the day, why would NASCAR and, and Hendrick want to do that uh, and GM want to put themselves in there to, to be lapped 50 times in 24 hours, you know? But... Um, yeah, I think we'll be reasonably competitive. It'll be interesting to see who they get for the drivers. Um, yeah. You know, because obviously it's going to be part, you know, it'll be, you know, it's a lot like NASCAR is going to have an off weekend. And Le Mans is like a, a bit like an Indy 500. It's a two or three week event with qualifying and practice and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So, and that's the saying I that I was talking that, about. Yeah, I think GM are actually going to run the car rather than the Hendrick because. Actually, GM are in the middle of opening up a new performance center next to the Hendrick facility down in Concord. So I imagine it'll be more GM doing this work than Hendrick. Um, and I imagine GM will GM have a lot of engineers working down there. So I imagine they'll run the car rather than uh, Hendrick themselves. I know Chad Knauss is going to take quite a leading role in it, but there's a lot of, lots of very smart guys down there to do this. It'll be yeah. interesting to see, but uh, okay. So we've got the, where are we racing in Cup next week. Coda, Coda. So we want to pick a winner for Coda. I'm going to go with Austin Cindric. Oh, nice, nice. That's a good pick, Richard. Chase, Chase. Uh, so that leaves me. Uh, Kyle Larson won a road course yet in NASCAR. Yeah, Sonoma yeah. last year. Could have won Watkins Glen too, if I recall. 
Yeah, let, well, let, let me let walk is good. Yeah, let me let me go with uh, Kyle Larson then because he's he's a guy that you can't keep him down for too many weeks in a row, especially with his teammates winning and. Um, yeah, so uh, fantastic. Great show, guys. Listen, I want to thank Dan Blay Racing Art. I want to thank Legend of the First Super Speedway and Mark Dill. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network, YouTube, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Uh, I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you, Louise. Um, I want you to encourage you to... Uh, Check out our new website. We've redesigned the uh, Drafting the Circuits website. Um, it's no longer hoobazoo.com slash drafting the circuits. Straight up type drafting the circuits.com in your search bar or in your browser, and you'll bring us right to the site. A nice redesign on the site. Thank you uh, to my producer and web guy, Anthony Arnold. But most of all, I want to thank you folks that listen to us. Uh, but till next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 